Welcome to One Shot Church, where our goal is to create a place for you to believe and belong. We're so grateful that you tuned in to check out this message, and we'd love to meet you in person at one of our upcoming services at 10 a.m. Feel free to check out OneShotChurch.com for more info or to follow us on any of your social media platforms at OneShotChurch. Here's this week's message. Enjoy. I don't know about you guys, but how many of you growing up, you know, Paul said, when I become a man, I put all childish things away. But growing up, McDonald's was life. Did, any, does any, did anybody feel the same about McDonald's when you were a kid? Are you ashamed to say that? <laughs> McDonald's, if you're listening to this, we love you. Please, we welcome all sponsorships and anything. But, uh, but when I was a kid, man, going to McDonald's was, was, was just everything. If my mom, and this was when you could literally go to McDonald's and come out full for just five bucks, maybe four dollars, right? This this was back in that day. And so there was one time, my brother and I, it's it's kind of late at night. We should not be outside, but we're outside and we have money in our pockets and we're hungry. So we're like, yo, let's go to McDonald's. But we are confronted with a crossroad. Do we walk way out of the way? To get to McDonald's, I mean, you had to go all the way down our long road, and then you had, to, you had to make a left on Martin Luther King Highway and go all the way down to get to McDonald's. That would have probably been like a 35, 40-minute walk, whereas if we cut through the woods, the dangerous, scary woods, if we cut through the woods, we could probably cut about 20 minutes off. So we decided, the extremely intelligent people, that men that we were, we decided, let's cut through the woods. So we are going through the woods, and as we're going through the woods, the only light that we have is moonlight. Have y'all ever been in that type of situation where you just say, moon, I'm sorry, I never noticed you, but right now I need you. Thank God for the moon, amen? So we are, we are, we are navigating through the woods. It's pitch black. We can't see anything. I don't know about y'all. Have you been in a creepy situation when you start to hear things? And immediately, your imagination paints to you the most gory, horrific picture imaginable, right? It could have just been a squirrel, like, you know, dropped some nuts out the tree and was like, oh, dang, my bad. And I mean, we were thinking boogeyman, monster, Jason, somebody, right? And uh, so as we're going through the woods, we're literally, and, and, I, and I'm ashamed to admit this, but at one point, we were actually holding hands, right? You know? <laughs> Real G's don't hold another man's hands, but we were holding hands because I just needed to know you were there. <laughs> you know, you're right there, Curtis. Okay, right? So we're navigating. We can only see what the moon is allowing us to see. And man, every little noise was amplified. And so we got about halfway through. I don't know what was making this noise, but we heard all this, this rustling of the leaves and we took off. I'm talking about took off, running, getting smacked by branches and everything, and we made it all the way out until we literally didn't stop running until we were like halfway across the field, and then we turned around, and then we were like, yo, are we going back through the woods? And, and, and I said, you know what and all, right? So we're, we're not going back through the woods. And, uh, but in thinking about this story, I couldn't help be reminded of the fact that isn't it true that sometimes what we hear has a direct impact on what we see. Isn't it true that, you know, we may hear things about our lives, maybe, maybe you've heard things like, you know, you're, you'll never be good enough. 
you know, you know the thing you did in the past, you know that thing, you, you, you're never going to get over that. You'll never be smart enough to, to, to do that. You know, you should just quit. Any, has anybody ever been told that, like, you should just quit, you should just give up? It's bad enough we already, we, we, we wrestle with quitting every day. Sometimes I, re I wrestle with quitting uh, parenting uh, a lot. My kids are not in here, so we are okay, right? They're out there. Oh, amen. We love everyone here. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, you, you, you know, I'm joking, but you get, those, you get into those seasons where you just feel like throwing your hands up and saying, I'm done, I quit. And, 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 and what, what, which adds insult to injury is when you have voices, maybe they're internal voices, Maybe they're your own thoughts telling you, give up, quit, what's the point, what's the use, I'll never be able, you fill in the blank. And if we're not careful, those words that we begin to meditate, those words, those sounds, those voices that we begin to rehearse will have a direct impact on our vision. And here's why this is so important, here's why this is so crucial, because what we see the vision that God wants us to see is ultimately what will become. If your vision of yourself is extremely poor, if it's extremely low, guess what? You will eventually manifest what you see. And I'm not just talking about what we see physically. I'm talking about what we see internally, what we see through the eyes of faith. When we first started this series, we, this series, we said that the, that the vision that God has given his people to see beyond the, the, the natural is faith. Faith is seeing things as God sees them. Do you see yourself? Do you see your life, your purpose, your destiny, your family, your marriage as God sees it? Because if you do, then you will receive what God wants you to receive. But if you don't, because you're maybe hearing things that are contrary, we may never possess what God desires us to possess. There's a story in uh, Mark that we're going to read. And this story, I've never preached this before, but this story just leaked off the page at me. And I just saw myself in this story so much. And I believe that as we engage with this story, we're going to learn some things that can really just benefit all of us. And so if you have your Bibles, we're a Bible, uh, a Bible church. Um, uh, if you have a phone, you want a thumbnail, you can thumbnail, but we'll have it on the screen too. So when, whenever pastors say that, I'm like, I'm not going to my phone. I'm not going to my Bible. I'm going to look at the screen. So you can look at the screen. <laughs> I just feel like I have to say that. But... This is Mark, and Mark gets his story. He gets his gospel from Peter. And Peter shares this story, this encounter that they had with Jesus that's just so transformative. And it says this in Mark chapter 10, verse 46. It says, and they, the disciples, they came to a city called Jericho. And as Jesus was leaving Jericho with his disciples, a, with a great crowd, great crowds of people, Dust is flying everywhere. There's a lot of talking, a lot of murmuring. I mean, this is crazy. This is before Instagram. This is before Twitter. This is before Facebook. And all of these people hear about Jesus, and they surround Jesus, and they follow him wherever he goes. And so there was a man named Bartimaeus, and he was a blind beggar. Everybody say blind beggar. A man who is identified by his infirmity. How many of you guys have ever felt like your very weakness or your struggle or maybe the thing you did in the past or maybe the mistake that happened to you, it is now a part of your identity. 
you are now defined as the blind beggar. You are now defined as that girl that did that thing or that dude that did that thing. Blind Bartimaeus is sitting there, and this is so cool because it says that he's the son of Timaeus. Sometimes we read the Bible and we forget that this is like real. Mark is like, I want you to know he was a real dude. Like he wasn't just some random person. You can go talk to his dad, right? So the son of Timaeus, and he was sitting by the roadside. And when blind Bartimaeus, when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And you would have thought everybody would have been like, praise him, boy. That's what I'm talking about. Lift your voice right now in the name of Jesus. No, it says that. And many, many people rebuked him, telling him, shut up. Be quiet. Be silent. And it says, but he cried out all the more. Son of David, have mercy on me. And I think this story is so incredible. You have this blind man who no doubt his provision is limited because he's blind. He can't see. He has to rely on the vision of other people to navigate. Have you ever been at a point in life? Where if it wouldn't have been for someone else's vision, if it wouldn't have been for someone else's faith, I know a woman, she's my mother. <laughs> if it wouldn't have been for that woman, I don't know where I would be. Blind, blind Bartimaeus has to, has to go through life depending on other, what other people see. And as blind Bartimaeus is living his life and depending on what other people sees, he begins to hear about this man named Jesus. He begins to hear about how Jesus loves. He begins to hear about the mighty works that Jesus has performed. He begins to hear about the miracles that he's done. He begins to hear of how he embraces the tax collectors and the sinners, and he's not judgmental. He's not condemning. And blind Bartimaeus says something. Now, to us, when we read Son of David, that means nothing to us. But what blind Bartimaeus was proclaiming loudly was, Jesus, you are the Messiah. Have mercy on me. And everybody's like, boy, shut up. He's not the Messiah. You need to be quiet. What's wrong with you? And blind Bartimaeus could have been like, okay, I'll just be quiet and go, go over here and sit by the roadside. But no, blind Bartimaeus knew this was his opportunity. He knew Jesus is passing by. I heard about him. I heard what he's done. And I want to ask you this question. What are you hearing? About Jesus that promotes faith in you or are you hearing more negativity are you hearing more doubt are you hearing more criticism are you hearing more thoughts that that are contrary to faith that are causing you to want to give up here's a point I want to leave you guys with that we can learn from this story is you need to say what you see Blind Bartimaeus couldn't see physically, but blind Bartimaeus could see perfectly who Jesus was. And he said it. He confessed it. He was so indignant about it that the people told him, shut up, be quiet, stop yelling. But blind Bartimaeus refused to say what he saw. And here's why this is so important is because the moment God reveals something to you, all of life is going to tell you, ant wrong, ant, that'll never happen, ah, you're not good enough, ah, you're not smart enough, God will never do that, God, God. All of what you can see will contradict what God has revealed to you. 
but we have to find the fortitude. We have to find the consistency to say, I will say what I see, not with my own eyes, but I will say what I see with the eyes of faith. I will declare what God is declaring over me. If God says I'm forgiven of all my sins, past, present, and future, I will say I am forgiven of the Lord. If God says that I am righteous, that I'm made right by the obedience of Jesus Christ, then I will declare I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I will say what I see. The problem is, what do you see? What do you see? Here's the second point I've uh, I learned from this story. When you are sure of what you see, nobody can keep you silent. Oh, I just felt that. <laughs> when you are sure of what you see, no one can keep you silent. How do we get to this place of surety? How do we get to this place where, you know what, I know what I see and I refuse to let someone let the circumstances let the things let let I refuse to let this keep me silent let's get back into the story it says and Jesus stopped I love this crowds moving crowd I mean who knows how many people, at one point there were up to 5,000 men walking with Jesus, let alone the women and children. So who knows how many people are around Jesus. And Jesus hears in the distance somebody saying, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus is like, oh, homeboy really knows who I am. Let me listen to him again. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. No doubt Jesus hears the people saying, hey, man, be quiet. Be quiet. And Jesus says, hold on, everybody. Stop, 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 stop. Call him. Tell him, come here. Blind Bartimaeus is sitting there. He's blind. He can't see anything. He's like, oh, my God. Everybody just got quiet. What's going on? <laughs> Did everybody, like, vanish? What's, what's happening? Then Jesus says, call him. Bring him over here. What leaped out to me was this. Faith gets God's attention. When we begin to say what we see, and hopefully we see what he sees over our lives, when we begin to say what we see, when we begin to be in agreement with God, it gets his attention. Jesus stops. Oh, I want Jesus to stop for me every day. I want Jesus to see me. And Jesus does see you. He will never not see you. But what this story shows us is that Jesus, he wants to engage with those who will believe and trust in him. He wants to lean into your life, but he won't just bombard into your life. He wants to be invited in. He wants to be depended upon. He wants to know that you care about what he cares about. A lot of times we want God to care about what we care about. We're like, God, care about my job, care about my career, care about my relationships, care about this, care about that, care. But God is saying, is there anyone who will care about what I care about? And it says, call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, take heart. Hold on, time out. These were the same people telling him to shut up. Now y'all want to tell, y'all first y'all telling me to be quiet and be, you know, stop, stop screaming. And, and, and now you're hey, be of good courage. He's calling you, right? 
And you know, you, you know, you know what, uh, what, what, what was impressed upon my heart is this. The same people that will call you crazy for seeing what they can't see will be the same people calling you courageous for when it actually happens. I had people, you know, when, when uh, I was married at 21, uh, if my son came to me and was like, Dad, you know, I'm 21 and I'm a man now and I want to get married. Get behind me. No, I'm playing. But, uh, but I can understand why people were nervous. I can understand why people were like, yo, are you sure you want to be married at 21? I'm like, yeah, I want to, you know, but they couldn't see what I could see. And so, yo, that's crazy. You're 21. You're young. Your life is ahead of you. Why are you getting married? But they couldn't see what I saw. But now, almost 11 years later, people are like, oh, my God, man, your marriage is so encouraging. Oh, I'm so happy for you guys. And you were the same one calling me crazy. Now you want to call me courageous, right? But isn't this true? And I'm just warning you, the journey of faith is difficult sometimes. You want people to believe what you believe. You want people to see what, what you see about your life. Like, you know, you want people to just get on board with your vision and, and be passionate, just as passionate as you. But the truth is, sometimes you have to be the only one crazy enough screaming at the top of your lungs, I see something and I won't stop saying it because I see something and I won't stop saying it. I won't stop talking. I won't stop declaring it. I won't stop proclaiming it. And here's the deal. You look crazy when you do that. But when it happens, everybody's like, wow. And you almost want to be like, screw all of you. <laughs> Every last single one of y'all. I don't get away from me. But no, no, you want to do that, right? You want to be like, you know, I got something to say. <laughs> and it ain't good. But God will, God will move upon your heart and say, no, man, just keep being an example. Because guess what? Some people need to see God blessing you in order for them to begin to believe that God can bless them. If God can do it for me, oh, my God, if God can do it for me, he can do it for you. And it says this, blind Bartimaeus, I love this. They say, yo, get up, be of good courage, he's calling you. And it says, and throwing off his cloak, my man didn't even know where Jesus was. He just went, boom, <laughs> right? This is, this is, listen, there are some courageous blind people. I'm just being dramatic, but I just want y'all to know. Listen, I yeah, amen. But uh, so it says, throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and he came to Jesus. He's feeling his way to Jesus. Hey, he's over there. Ooh, yeah, he's. And then he gets to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, and Jesus is wild with this. I'm like, Jesus, he's blind, yo. But listen to what Jesus says. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? You know, like this is God. God, I, I really, but I take this as God saying, I enjoy you asking me. I know what you need. I, I know what you needed before you were even formed in your mother's womb. I enjoy you coming to me and saying, Father, can you help me? Father, can you, can you provide? Father, he enjoys us asking. And Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, teacher or rabbi, let me recover my sight. And I started thinking about this word recovered. Like I, I'm a bit of a Bible nerd and I started like looking it up in the Greek and trying to see all the meanings and context. 
And recover can mean that he actually once was able to see, which is what recovering means. You, you, you're, you're recovering something that you once had, but that may have been lost. And immediately I saw something. I saw myself. A lot of times when traumatic things happen, when difficult things happen, our faith just takes a licking. I mean, it's like Muhammad Ali fighting George Foreman. I mean, your faith just takes a whooping. And you just, come on, have you ever been there? Ah, forget it. I don't care anymore. I'm done. Forget it. You just want to quit. I'm tired, man. I want to see something happen. And I don't know about, I don't know what happened to blind Bartimaeus. I don't know if, if maybe he sustained an injury or, or something happened. But I, I thought and I said, man, I've been there before. I remember being so hurt where the only thing I could hold on to was I just knew, Jesus, you really are real. But if you would ask me, where was my faith? Did I have great faith? You know, speak to the mountain. No, man, no, I didn't even, my faith was flatline. You know, my faith was hanging on by thread. But the only thing that kept me was I knew that Jesus was real and that he loved me. My faith was injured. How many of you guys are here today? This is rhetorical. Your faith is injured. You've sustained a wound deeply in your faith. Because the truth is, man, when we can't see properly, some of the deepest wounds that we sustain are self-inflicted. My God, have I hurt myself. I'll need no help hurting myself. And here's the, here's the flip side. Some of the deepest wounds that we've inflicted upon other people, even people we love and care about, are because we don't see properly. This vision thing is important. So blind Bartimaeus says, Jesus, I want to recover my sight. And listen to what Jesus says, verse 52. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith, your vision, because you really saw me, you said, you saw me. The thousands of people walking with me couldn't see what you saw. You said, son of David. That is a messianic term. You knew who I was. You saw me. And he says, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And I'm here today to say the same thing Jesus is saying. If you want to be well, if you want your marriage to be well, if you want your family, your career, if you, want, if you want your life to be well, it's not going to come from pursuing pleasure. It's not going to come from pursuing more money and, and, and more fame, more popularity. It's going to come because of your faith. Your faith in Jesus will make you well because he is the source of all life. He is the source of all comfort and joy. And when our faith is anchored in him, that's when wellness can flow. That's when we can have peace, real peace. That's when we can have joy, not just happiness. Yo, I've been happy for about three seconds and then ready to just burn everything down, right? I'm very extreme. I need to stop being so polarizing. I don't know what's wrong with me, right? I go from like, ah, I'll burn everything. But, <laughs> but, 
But, you know, happiness comes and goes, but joy, how many of you guys have had, to, had the, the privilege of tasting joy? Where it's like, it's almost like you have no reason to be joyful, but, but deep down inside of you, there's a joy. There's still a song in you. There's still something to be thankful for and happy about. And, and, and that is, joy is only associated with Jesus. You want greater joy? Find greater faith and trust in Jesus. And immediately, he recovered his sight. And I love this. He said, forget y'all. I'm following him. And a lot of times, how many of you guys have been here? I know I'm doing a lot of preaching in this podcast. I mean, in this uh, whatever I'm doing right now. But, uh, but how many of you guys have been there where God has done something wonderful for you? And... You know, maybe a few months, maybe a few weeks, a year goes by, and then you're kind of like back in the same rut, and you forgot like the, the elation and the joy that you felt when Jesus delivered you. And then you go like, ah, oh, I don't like myself right now. I seem to be real ungrateful. I seem to be real selfish right now. But I love this. It says that Bartimaeus was healed, and he said, yo, I'm going with Jesus. I'm not staying here. What else is here for me? I'm going with Jesus. And I feel like, guys, following Jesus is how we keep our faith healthy. Following Jesus, going where Jesus is, being in friendships. And that's why the vision of our church is to be a community where you can believe and belong. Because I believe if you can't believe and you can't find a community where you belong, you can't become who God wants you to become. And that means we can't be fake and we can't be all religious and hallelujah and praise God. And, and man, be who you are. If you are weak in a season, be weak. It's okay. The community God puts you around is strong. Somebody's going to help you. When I'm weak and my faith is weak, like even starting this church, I was terrified. But my wife was the one that was just like, didn't God say, be quiet. I don't Nobody <laughs> want to hear that. No one wants to hear that. But my wife was able to be strong for me when I was weak. And I, I was unsure. I was doubting. I was listening to, rehearsing the thought, well, what if it works? What if everybody thinks I'm crazy? What if I get up here and it's a launch and it's just my wife and my four children? All those thoughts went through my mind. I'm like, this is scary. But my wife was like, what did God say? Is God going to say something to you? Is God going to bring you into a place of shame? Or is God going to, is God saying, trust me, because you have no idea the, the, the seed looks so in, insignificant, but when it's put in the ground, it grows into a great mighty oak. But in a seed form, it looks so insignificant. Let me move on. Here's a, 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 another passage of scripture. We see blind Bartimaeus and his reaction. Now let's look at another reaction from on a negative connotation for how this can go, and I need to hurry up. But in Matthew 13, uh, verse 33 and 58, in verse 53, it says, when Jesus had finished these parables, he was teaching, it says that he went away from there and coming to his hometown, he taught them there in the synagogue. And so that they were astonished and said, yo, where did this man get this wisdom in these mighty works? Now, here's where they could have been like, yo, maybe we need to lean in. Maybe there's something really special to this Jesus. Maybe we should really lean in and trust him. But listen to what it says. Someone spoke up. Is this not the carpenter's son? Is this not, 
is, is, is not his mother called Mary? And are not his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? And are not all his sisters here with us? Where then did this man get these things? Let's look what happened next. It says, and they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own hometown and in his own household. And here's the key. Here's the, here's the phrase. And he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. And what God was speaking to me was this. God's provision in your life is directly connected to your vision of him. If you want God to do mighty things, you need to see God as a mighty God. If you want God to really show up and, 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 and do great things, how do you see Jesus? Who do you see him to be? Do you see God as this judgmental God, this God that's waiting for the moment for you to fail and so he can judge you and strike you? Or do you see God saying, no, I sent my son to the cross to die for you. I love you with a love that you will never understand. It will take you eternity plus eternity to discover the greatness of my love for you. But it says that they could do no mighty works because of their unbelief. Guys, I don't want God to be limited to work in my life because of how I see him. I want God to be able to touch any area of my life. I want God to be able to just bless me. I want to be used by God. I want to I want to make my life count because we only get one shot at life. And I want to make it count, but I can't make it count if I'm not believing and not trusting him. Let's look at this point that I want to leave you guys with. What damages our vision is a distorted perspective of Jesus. When I think about the moments where I was the weakest, there were moments where I just had the wrong picture of who Jesus was for me. I doubted his ability to provide. I doubted his ability to love me in the midst of my sin, in the midst of my shortcomings. How many of y'all got, how many of you guys have been there face on the floor, snot nose, crying, oh my God, how could you love me? Uh, and you just feel like, how could God ever just, how could you ever? And God blows you away by receiving you and embracing you over and over and over and over and over again. Wow. Let's hurry up and finish this. Uh, next, we're going to jump into something that Paul says to the church of Corinth, and we're almost done. And Paul says this, because we have an enemy who doesn't want us to see something, and we need to be aware of that. Paul says this, if the good news that we preach, the good news, the gospel, if the good news that we preach is hidden behind a veil, that means that there's something covering it. There's something keeping you from seeing it. He says, if the gospel that we preach is hidden behind a veil, it is hidden only from people who are perishing. Verse 4, Satan, the enemy to our faith. I love this. In studying his name, it, it, in the Hebrew, it actually means hasatan. It means a prosecutor at court. That means Satan is very good with the words. He understands exactly how to manipulate things to get you to believe and to hear something you shouldn't hear or believe. And it says that Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. See, the devil doesn't want us to see how good Jesus is. 
He doesn't want you to see the goodness and the light of Jesus' glory. Because he knows if you see him, if you truly see him, you will love him. You will trust him. If Jesus walked through this room, all of us would just be like, oh my God, Jesus, in all of his glory? The devil doesn't want you to see that. The devil wants you to see yourself disconnected from Jesus. This is why it's very important who you associate with and who you hang with. I want people in my life that are going to point me to Jesus. I want people that are going to ask me, hey, brother, how's your faith? How you doing? You doing all right? You hanging in there? I want people holding me accountable. I want people to, to the, you know, I, I, this is why I'm very much of a stickler for the gospel and for the, and for the words because I don't want to be a part of a church or I don't want to preach words that are not consistent with the good news about Jesus. We got enough of dirt on ourselves to, 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 to feel bad, right? I need to hear the good news that's going to lift me out of the miry clay and cause me to trust Jesus. That's a good place to say amen. Y'all scared. But uh, it says, they don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. If you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. If you want to know the nature of God, look at Jesus. And he says in verse 5, you see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. God forbid, man, that I stand up in front of people and preach about myself. Lord have mercy. Paul says we don't go around preaching about ourselves. But listen to what he says. He says, but we preach that Jesus Christ is Lord. And we ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. Let's look at this next verse. And we're almost done. Uh, David, you can come on up. Just don't do too much, my brother. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Pray for David, y'all. I got to make fun of David every single time. I must. I must. It's good for your humility. I believe that God has put me in your life. Amen. I am the thorn in the flesh. And the Lord will not remove me. He will just say this to you, David. My grace is sufficient. Amen. That's what he will say. Church jokes gone too far. All right, Rodney. All right, let's finish this thing. In uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6 and 7, I love this. Peter says, so be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead. Isn't that comforting? Be truly glad. There's wonderful joy ahead. And he says, even though you must endure, you can play my brother, amen. <laughs> it's good to laugh, isn't it? You know what I mean? It's good to laugh. Help me, Jesus, amen. Even though you must endure many trials for a little while, yes, you will endure trials. You're going to go through difficult things. You're going to have to, listen, if we could see how it was going to pan out, if, we, if God gave us everything that we've ever asked for, there would be no need for faith. But listen, our faith journey is going to take us into some scary territory. People are going to call you crazy. You're going to feel alone. You're going to feel isolated. But guess what? Nobody can walk your faith journey except for you. 
Now, you can't walk your faith journey apart from community, but nobody can walk your journey. He says, for a little while, these trials will be here. Verse 7, these trials will show something. These trials will reveal something. And he says, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. I love that. These difficulties will prove something about your faith, about your ability to see what God sees. These trials come with purpose. And the purpose is to show the genuineness of your faith. And I love this. It is being tested as fire. I can't read. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. He says, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold, is your faith more precious than gold to you? Because I'm telling you, if your faith is more precious than gold, it's going to remove you from different relationships. If your faith is more precious than gold, it's going to cause you to lean into other relationships. This is why people think, you know, I'm not, I don't just gather. I don't just want to be a part of a church because I'm a pastor. I need the community. I need the body. My faith depends on it. My family and everything that depends on my faith depends on it. Is my faith more precious to me than gold or is it my happiness or is it my joy? Not really joy, but is it my pleasure? You know, I look at people and it's just like every night you in the club, Lord Jesus. You know, what's more important? Let me shut up. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it says it will bring you. Oh, man, this thank God for this. When your faith remains strong through many trials, your faith will bring you much praise and much glory and much honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. That's the day you will say, thank God I trusted Jesus. When everybody was like, yo, why are you going to church? Why are you, you know, when I was a youth pastor, every Friday night you in church? Yes, because when the day Jesus comes back, listen, we are either going to shrink back and, and grab our hair and go, oh my God, why, did I, why didn't I trust him? Look at him. He's God, and he's, he was talking to me, but I didn't trust him. I didn't think he could really do it. I didn't know if he was really going to follow through. And then there will be those who will say, <laughs> much praise, much glory, much honor. I trusted Jesus. He came through. Come on. Jesus Christ, when he is revealed to the whole world, I want to be the loudest dummy saying, thank God I trusted Jesus. Thank God I made my life count. And the only way to make your life count is to trust Jesus is to take him at his word, is to believe, God, you love me. God, you will never forsake me. Guys, you're going to bump your head. You're going to stumble and fall. But the Bible says that a righteous man or woman may fall. And guess what? They will get back up. They will get back up. And you don't pick yourself up. He picks you up. Mm. Wow. It's ridiculous. 
want to summarize these points up and then we'll come to a close. Oh, last verse. Verse 8. You, oh, this is powerful. You love him. Peter's like, yo, uh, let me shut up. You love him even though you have never seen him. Peter's talking to these Jewish, these Hebrew, these Hebrew uh, 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 Christians, and he's saying, I'm a little bit amazed. Like, you guys love him, and you've never seen him. Peter's like, man, I had the privilege of walking with him, talking with him, eating with him, sleeping with him. I, I traveled with him. And he said, you love him even though you have never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him. And you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. And listen to what Peter says. The reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. And this salvation is not a someday far out there salvation. This salvation is now, now. Every time you say, I will trust Jesus, salvation is now. If you're struggling with anxiety and worry and depression and it's just burdening you down, salvation is now. 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 Let me summarize and then we're done. Say what you see. Say what you see, not what you see physically, but say what you see. Say what faith declares to you. And when you are sure of what you see, no one can keep you silent. And guess what? People will call you crazy when they can't see what you see. And they will also call you courageous when God blesses you. And then what damages our vision is a distorted perspective of Jesus. Let me pray for you guys. Jesus, I thank you so much for your love, your grace, your mercy. Thank you, Father, for giving us a living hope, a hope that never dies, a hope that doesn't dissipate. Because, Jesus, you are our living hope. You will never die. You are eternal, and you will reign forever. And so, God, every day is an opportunity to hope again, to believe again, to trust again. God, I believe that there's some people in here, like blind Bartimaeus, they sustain an injury, a wound that has crippled them, that has kept them from seeing clearly. Jesus, right now, under the sound of my voice, I thank you for restoring their sight. In Jesus' name.